Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts. We have so much to be thankful for. And God, we know that's more than just a seasonal thing. That's a way that we choose to live our lives being grateful to you. And so, Father, this morning, as we have had this chance to to sing these songs and to to be in your presence, because that's what you promise us, that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, it's good to be able to have this opportunity to corporately stand together and and align ourselves for the week that, that lies ahead. Lord, we thank you that we could sing these songs that declare you as as the highest. Lord, it's an easy thing to sing and sometimes it's harder to live a life that that puts you on display as the most important and highest thing in our life as well. As we open the word of God today, will you challenge our hearts and help us to know how to leave this place with a focus that will help us to be able to live a life that will be honorable to you and that will make a difference in the lives of those around us. So speak to us today, God. Challenge us and help us to to live with hearts of gratitude more than just for a couple of days a year, but that that would become a lifestyle for us. Thank you, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Wow. Welcome back. If you weren't here, I have no idea where you were because it seemed like everybody was here last week. It was awesome. What a, what a great opportunity to be able to uh, open our new facility and have a chance to come. I was telling Beth this morning, like, I know this seems like a little thing, but my office is in the same building that I get to speak in. It's just, I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me. And to be able to have everything kind of close by where we don't have to pack and move things so much has been great. And man, thank you again for all the hard work that it's taken to get here, the sacrifices, and what a joy to be able to just show up and go to church and leave when we're done. It's great. And uh, so it's been good. Last week, uh, we started this series. And you know, my heart behind this series is that we can't, as a church, see this season as a finish line where we have opportunity to to open our new facility and to come into worship here. It's taken so much effort and energy and, like we said just a minute ago, sacrifice to get here that we can almost feel like, oh, we made it. Whew, isn't that great? We crossed the finish line. My fear is that, that that would somehow be part of our mindset. And so last week we started this series starting line because we don't want to see this as a finishing spot. This is the turning of a page into the future of our church and we kind of talked about that just a little bit using a passage of scripture, and we're going to look back at it today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, your iPad or iPhone or whatever it is that you have your Bible on. I encourage you so you can see the words on your, uh, in front of you here in just a moment. Uh, we talked about it from a more corporate perspective, and today I want to shift gears because if, if we're going to be a church that doesn't see this as a finish line, but a starting line, then we're also going to have to see it that way individually. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. Um, we, we, we've been looking at this passage of Scripture, and today I want to set it up with a, with a whole different kind of perspective. There's something about the Apostle Paul that I really like. When he was writing to this church in Corinth, he, he kind of 
took on what we kind of get in our culture today, and that's a, a passion and a love for athletics. And this was a big deal in the church of Corinth because right outside of their city gates, every two years, they would have an opportunity to observe what looks a lot like what we experience when, when we see the Olympic Games. And so this was a big part of their community. And I don't know necessarily that, that when he wrote these words to this church that he got started in Corinth, if it was the, the season when these games were going, or maybe a season where they had just finished, or a time where they were excited about it just coming soon. But he sets this backdrop for, for the church of Corinth, knowing that they understand these games well. And so Coach Paul, can you see him with a whistle around his neck today? Because that's the way we need to see Paul uh, as he brings this challenge. If you have your Bibles or your iPhones, you can uh, follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, where Coach Paul says this. He wrote these words. Do you not realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So let me try and unpack this passage of Scripture a little bit from Coach Paul today. There's a, a quote from the old UCLA Bruins football coach from the 1950s, Red Sanders, who said this, talking to his, his, his men that he was coaching. I'll be honest, winning isn't, isn't everything, it's the only thing. How many of you ever had a coach that said something like that in some kind of crazed halftime pregame pep talk? We've all heard that before. And, you know, it can fire us up. You know the motivation, the heart behind that is to get you to give 110%. To get on the field, give it all you've got and then some. And to stand side by side with those you're competing with and, and just do the very best you can. We get that. It's also kind of shifted gears in the crazy culture that you and I live in. Where that's kind of, in some, in some ways, we've seen that manifested out in guys doing really crazy things. Because winning is everything. So there's bad sportsmanship and there's drug use to to help you gain an edge and all kinds of different things because the old coach that first shared that with you uh, when you were playing soccer and you were five, somehow that voice has gotten too loud in our culture today. And so there's a lot of things. As parents, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that whole winning is everything thing, that, that, that's not true. And we get that. But in the context of what Coach Paul is talking about in this passage of Scripture, look at me for a second. Winning... Winning in this game is everything. And let me explain why. Because if we lose in what the Apostle Paul was talking about, it's just not a mark in the L column. It has eternal consequences. The significance here is very, very real. Winning isn't everything in this arena. It's everything. So if you have your journey guides, you can pull them out. My main thought is actually Paul, Coach Paul's main thought. And that is that we need to run to win. I have a very competitive spirit in me. I like to win. Actually, I, I actually have a problem. It's not just a, a desire to win. It's a passion to win that has gotten me in trouble over the years. 
Like if we're going to do a, a golf tournament at church, I'm probably going to have a tryout for my team because I stink at golf, but I want to win. And I'm going to make sure that the dudes that are on my team or dudettes for that matter are the real deal because I love to win. I've gotten in trouble with that over the years, for sure. That competitive spirit in me that you don't want to lose is sometimes a fault. I love to win. But Paul is challenging us that in our relationships with the Lord, as far as things go from a spiritual context, we need to run to win. He challenges us that we need to to go all out in this race. We need to give it 110%. He challenges us to leave it all on the track. He challenges us to run in such a way that we would obtain the prize. Have you ever been in competition with somebody and when they took the court or the track or the field or whatever, the the swimming pool or whatever, before they got in, you looked at them in the eyes and you were like, dude, something very different about the way you're looking right now. Pretty much the rest of what's going to happen in terms of the race or the competition, the game, it's irrelevant because in their minds... They're going to win. Have you been around a person like that? It can be scary. I like to have those kind of eyes. Where before you even begin, people are like, dude, I think he's really serious. Paul tells us we need to have those kind of eyes in our relationship with the Lord that we would run with our eyes on the prize, run with proper motivation. So let me share this verse again in verse 24. He says this, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Now, He's got his whistle around his neck, and it's important for you to know that if we were to translate this you properly, it's really a southern you. So you could see Paul today with the whistle around his neck, speaking with a southern draw, and he's saying, don't y'all realize? Because it's not a singular you, it's a plural you. It's us together. Don't we together, and he asks it in a rhetorical way, know that, that in a race everyone runs. We're like, yes, of course we do. And so this is for all of us today. This communication that that Coach Paul is giving us. Don't you realize this passage is no exception? So let me try and explain this running metaphor just a little bit more. When a person accepts Christ as their personal Savior, when, as we talk about it this way at Plum Creek, they've made a decision to step across the line of faith, when they've embraced the gospel message and said, I believe that what Jesus did, He did for me, Paul is saying that when you've made that decision, you've just stepped into the race and you're running. And we need to run to win. You become a runner in the Christian race. Paul says, do you not realize in verse 24 that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. It's not an option. It's not an idea or a suggestion. It's a command that you and I would understand if we have made that decision to step across the line of faith, that we need to take this run, this race that we're in, And we need to run seriously. We need to run with passion, run to win. We don't walk, we don't stop, we don't sit down, we don't jog, we don't coast, we don't give up. We run to win. Paul was serious about this. The point of entering a race is to win. Now this prize that he's talking about, it doesn't represent salvation because there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. But what it is talking about is the reward that we get for living our life the way God has called us to, fulfilling the purpose that he has for us, the difference that we make in this time that we have here on earth. And scripture is very plain that there will be a day when we stand before him and we're in his presence 
And He provides for us this opportunity to be rewarded for the way that we've lived our lives. And Paul is saying, now that you're in the race, run to win. Don't mess around with this one. We talked last week briefly about the passage of Scripture in Matthew 25 where Jesus is telling the story and He's talking about this this day of reckoning that we're all going to have. And, and in the story, he says, live your life in such a way, basically, in verse Matthew 25, 21, where you will hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the challenge from the story. What happens is because of God's amazing work on the cross, we have opportunity to spend eternity with him. But on top of that, he's going to bless us with rewards for the way that we have lived, for faithfully serving him and accomplishing his purpose. And so we then run to win. I've got to pause here for a second and tell you something that really bothers me about the culture that we live in. There's this strange phenomenon that has snuck into our society that bothers me. Can I tell you what it is? It's the participation ribbon. That bugs me. That bugs me. Because I, I get the heart behind it, that we're trying to, you know, encourage self-esteem in our little children. It's good. I want my kids to have self-esteem. I get that. I mean, we all work hard towards that. But listen, only one kid gets the blue ribbon. Can we just be honest about that? I heard not too long ago that they outlawed dodgeball in gym class in California. Like, what? Why? They said because there's a definitive winner and loser. Now that bugs me because dodgeball is the greatest game invented because even if you're the little kid that can't throw that hard, you still might get lucky enough to catch the ball and bring your whole team back in. Why rob a kid of that? Listen, real life tells us that there are winners and losers. Participation ribbons, let's just forget about that for a minute. Because as it relates to our, our challenge from Coach Paul, he's saying, look, you have a race to run. You're the only one that's responsible for this, and you're running against yourself. So run to win. Don't just get the participation ribbon here. He's saying you run for the blue ribbon. You run for the trophy. You run for the prize, and it's an eternal one. Today, maybe you're thinking, you know, as we think about this metaphor of running this this race in life and our relationship with the Lord, maybe you think, you know, I'm not, I'm not running real well today. For whatever reason, maybe life has brought some difficulties your way and you may feel like you're ba- barely in the race at all. Maybe, maybe life has brought some tough things your way and, and it's knocked you down and you feel down and out today. You, you, you need to get back up and, and you're feeling some struggle to get to that point where you somehow have that intrinsic motivation to get back up and start running again. Or maybe someone invited you to come see this, this building. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you this story. Last week, a lady on her way in stopped and, 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 and talked to one of our greeters and said, Hey, what, what is this? And they were like, pardon me? She said, I, just, I got stuck in traffic. Somebody waved me in here. And I just came in. Isn't that awesome? They're like, welcome to Plum Creek Community. Just as a church. They're like, oh, that's great. We used to have people randomly stop by our church that thought they were going to a movie. (laughs) Now they get caught in a traffic jam and just get waved in and they're like, okay, I'm coming, you know. It's beautiful. 
The Apostle Paul's challenge to us is to run to win. You might not know why you're here today. Maybe when I talk about the importance of understanding this race that Paul is talking about and, and that you enter this race by accepting the Lord as your Savior and responding to the gospel message, maybe today you're saying, man, I'm not there yet. Well, there's a reason you're here today. Hang with me. Regardless of where you find yourself on this race, I believe Paul wants to challenge us. And how are we going to get back up? How are we going to run this race well? The first thing we need to do is commit to run to win. We don't just lackadaisically kind of meander through this race. We run to win. We don't just jog through the motions. We run to win. So we're going to run with some passion. And we're going to embrace this challenge from Coach Paul today. If you feel like you're behind in the race, don't give up. Start running. Keep on running and run to win. So if you have your journey, guys, I'm going to give you a couple of running pointers. Some things that I think we can see from this passage of Scripture, and there's a bunch of them that I'm not going to hit. This could be a whole series that would last a while. But I'm going to give you some running pointers that will help you to run to win. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. He says this, All athletes are disciplined in their training. Paul sees, again, the backdrop of these Olympic-esque games. And we're getting ready for some Winter Olympics here soon. And one of the things that's always very fun is to hear the inspirational stories of these athletes that we're going to watch compete under the flag of America for our country and other countries as well. And we're going to hear the inspiring stories of sacrifice, dedication, and commitment to get to that level. Doesn't that stuff fire you up? Like people that are willing to live that dedicated to anything... It just, that's exciting. Some of you know what it's like to, to pay some kind of a price to, to compete or to participate in a game or be a teammate. You know, I've got a little, little Ziploc bag somewhere in our house tucked away in some drawer that my kids find occasionally. And in that little bag, there's a, there's a little badge. And on that badge or that little badge, it says the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. I was in elementary school when I got that. But you know what? Only two kids in my school got it. So I was fortunate enough to win that award and I got a personal letter from President Reagan. It wasn't handwritten though. I don't understand. And I've got my West Aurora varsity letter with a bunch of pins on it. Why do I keep that stuff? Trophies and awards. Why do we keep those things? Because they mean something to me. They're reminders of sacrifice and dedication. And sometimes they convict me a bit because I think, what if I would have really tried? I watch my kids get up every morning and head to school at about 6.20 and they go to the weight room. I never did that. What is it about our awards that somehow we keep or that we wear? I remember my dad had in his bottom drawer his, his letterman sweater for a long time from back in the day. It was fun to listen to my dad tell stories of, of, his, of his athletic accomplishments. He played, he played football, and, and one year they won the city, the city championship in Chicago. And so when we would walk past Soldier Field, it was almost like dad was seeing himself with his leather helmet on. And he would tell the stories, and you could hear him, like of when he set the city record for the standing broad jump in Chicago. His days on the baseball field and how he broke his ankle really bad trying to stretch out a single into a double and broke his ankle doing a hook slide into second. 
or his memories of, of playing Division I football at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb. Good stories. Why? Why do they mean something to us? Because behind those stories is what Paul is talking about, dedication. They mean something to me. They mean something to you. That word in this, in this passage of Scripture is the same word that we derive our words agony and agonize from. Some of you that have trained hard get that. You know what agony feels like because you've, you've worked out so hard that you, you hurt. Your muscles hurt in places you didn't even know you had muscles. But there's something about that kind of dedication, that, that passion. And sometimes we wonder when we see these athletes at these elite levels, how do, they, how do they ever work so hard? Why do they sacrifice so much? And against that backdrop, Paul sets the stage. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Sacrifice, just like our Olympics, requires years of dedication, discipline, sacrifice. When everybody else is sleeping, you're working. When they're staying up late, you're going to bed. You're eating right. You're, you're pushing yourself to the limit. Proper amount of rest and daily training to succeed in your particular event. Paul's heart is that when we see that kind of story in front of us, it's just impressive. People that are willing, willing to sacrifice that much. I remember after Shannon Sharp retired, they asked him what he was going to do now that he retired. And one of the things, I'll never forget his interview. He said, you know, I'm going to go to the movies and I'm going to get popcorn. I was like, what? I do that every time, which is exactly why I never looked like Shannon Sharp. The guy is just chiseled. Dedication. If we're going to win, we're going to need dedication. And so the Apostle Paul is trying to coach us up in this. And at Plum Creek, we really try and keep this simple. That's what good coaches do. They keep it simple. They stick to the fundamentals and they preach, so to speak, the fundamentals over and over and over. And some of you are wearing your t-shirts today. And it's the t-shirt that says GFO on it. You have your armband perhaps on. Because we want to keep it simple. So we say things like this. If we can just live with these priorities of God, family, and others. Keep God first. Don't get this confused. Keep it right. Some of you are like, yeah, my wife has told me this before. God first, then family, then the other stuff. And we influence people by the way we live, by the way we talk, and by the way we do this God family. That's simple. Stick to the fundamentals. We stay dedicated to those kinds of things. But here's what I've learned, and that's what I think Paul is saying here too. That if we're going to stay dedicated, we're also going to need something. There has to be something embedded in us that gives us the motivation to stay committed to something like God, family, and others, and, and reading the Word of God and letting this be the foundation for the way that, that we do life. There has to be some kind of motivation there that will produce this type of dedication. I need to tell you a story. From the, from the New York City Marathon in 1986. That's a long time ago. It's actually one year before I graduated from high school. And this morning I told Beth that I was going to tell you guys that that's the year she graduated from high school and she asked me not to. <laughs> Just kidding. Almost 20,000 runners entered this famous race. And what's memorable about it is not who won, but the person that lost. The person that came in dead last, who finished last, his name is Bob Wheeland. And he finished the race that year, 19,000. 
413th. Bob completed the New York City Marathon, listen carefully, in four days, two hours, 40 minutes, and 17 seconds. That's not too impressive, is it? Can I tell you why it's impressive? Because 17 years earlier, when Bob was serving in Vietnam, he went to go rescue one of his fallen comrades and stepped on a landmine that blew off both his legs. And so when he finished the New York City Marathon four days after it began, the reality is that Bob pulled himself for 26.2 right miles. 15-pound saddle on his stubs and special gloves, and he pulled himself for four days. Is that impressive? Why? Why would someone do that? Would you say that's dedication? Yeah. What is it that causes its motivation deep down? Now, he might not have won the marathon that year, but he won, didn't he? Because he knew there was a goal. He knew there was a prize. And to finish that race meant something different for him than it probably has meant to anybody who's ever run that race. Paul tells us in verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. The, the backdrop of those games outside of the city of Corinth, when you won, you got a wreath made out of pine branches that eventually would wither away and die. And Paul is saying, I am so impressed, so stinking impressed by their dedication and their discipline. They train for years to be prepared to win that race. And what they get is a prize that eventually will fade away and dry up. And he's saying to all of us that have stepped across the line of faith and are in the Christian race that we're running with our lives, man, if those guys could have that kind of dedication to run a race where the prize is going to fade away, how much more passionate, how much more motivated should we be to run this race that's going to get an eternal prize? So Paul's challenge to us is real. Why would they do this? Because they get to perform. Because they get to take the field or the track to do the very best they can because they have a chance to win. But to win something that would fade where you and I have a chance to win some prize that will last for eternity. Our reward will last forever, and our motivation needs to be eternity. As a matter of fact, pastor and theologian Jonathan Edwards from the early 1700s used to pray this prayer, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. What a great prayer. Maybe you just need to write that one down. To be reminded that we're all running a race. And in this race, we need to have dedication and passion. We definitely need to run to win. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we keep our motivation where it should be. That the results are eternal. So the Apostle Paul, then he says this in the latter part of verse 25 and following. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And then he uses this word so, or in some translations, therefore. So he's saying, because of all of this I've talked about, this, this, this motivation, this dedication, this eternal reward, so, so what? So what? Here's what we do. 
He says this, therefore, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Let me just stop there for a second. Have you ever seen anybody win a gold medal for shadow boxing? Like, dude, you see that? That was awesome. They're like, have you ever hit anyone? No, no, I never have. You don't get an award for shadow boxing. We realize that there's going to be some days when we need to give some hits and take some hits, right? Paul's saying we don't just train and play games. We play and we train and we discipline ourselves and we keep the motivation to run to win. Not just shadow boxing, he says. I discipline, in verse 27, my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We run to win. How do we do that? He says, so here's what we do. We run. We run with purpose. We don't just box at the air. We train hard. We discipline our bodies. And we do everything that we can. Knowing there's going to be days when we take some hits. And there's going to be days when we give some hits. There's going to be days when the training's tough. But we keep our motivation where it should be. Because we know that the reward is eternal. So I'm not really sure where you are today. Or what you've had to face in this race that you're running. And for some of you, you would say again today, you know, Doug, I don't even know how I got here. I just followed traffic and said yes to a waiver. I believe there's a reason that you're here today. If you haven't made that decision to step across that line of faith and join us in the race, hang with me for a second. Maybe for some of you, you've just been running for a little while. You accepted Christ in your life and embraced what He's done for you and and you're excited about that. Let me just tell you, keep running, but you run to win. Maybe for some of you, you've been running for for quite a long time and your pace has slowed. And today you're challenged by Coach Paul remembering and realizing that you need to pick up the pace. You need to keep training hard and you need to run to win. For some of you, maybe you've stumbled and you've fallen. For some, maybe it's something that life has brought your way. And because of relationships or health issues or financial issues or stuff at work or kids stuff or whatever it could look like, you've, you, your pace, maybe you've even fallen. And you've, been, you've found yourself almost paralyzed to continue in this race that we're running. You need to know today that the race is not over. You're still here. You're still alive. Your heart is still beating. The race is still going. And we need to run to win. So as I was trying to think about how I would finish this message today, this this personal message for me and this personal message for you, with the backdrop of these these Olympic-style games that Coach Paul wrote from as we read this passage, I decided I wanted to show you what I consider to be one of the most memorable moments, moments in, in Olympic history. There's, a, there's an athlete, his name is Derek Redmond in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. He was a 400-meter sprinter. I believe he was from Canada, and he was the odds-on favorite to get the gold medal. As a matter of fact, he had the fastest time in the first qualifying round, and he won in the quarterfinal. And the race I want to show you is the semifinal race that would have brought him to medal contention. Life can be tough. You can feel knocked down. But I want you today to be inspired by this image that you're going to see on the screen as we watch what I consider to be 
one of the greatest moments in Olympic history. by your heads. For those of you that don't know that story, that's his dad. In one of the interviews that we, <clears throat> that we saw online, he said, you know, my son's athletic career began by my side. And when that happened, I felt like it needed to end by my side. For some of you, you you maybe feel like you've been hobbling in this race, that life has beaten you up pretty bad. Maybe today, you feel and know in your heart that you've been trying to run on your own. That's not how we run to win. Our Heavenly Father's promise to us is this, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And maybe you're here today again and you don't even know how you got here, but now you know you needed to be here. It's not coincidence. It's divine appointment. And if you've not said yes to Him and if you've not initiated this race that we've been talking about today because you've been holding back in your walk with the Lord, be lots of reasons for doing that. Maybe today, this is your moment. And you realize the importance of this moment that 
that today you need to say yes to entering the race. You're tired of running on your own. You need to feel the strength of your Heavenly Father running with you. You need to run to win. If that's you today, will you just, in this moment, will you just, in your words, pray this prayer? God, I know I was supposed to be here today. And I thank you for this challenge that, that I've heard today. I'm tired. I'm beat up. I feel like life has knocked me down. And I haven't been running well. But I'm tired of running alone. And so today, I say yes to you. I say yes to running this race of life differently. I ask you to forgive me because there's lots of things that I've done that I know have fallen short of your plan for my life, even some things that I'm embarrassed of. And today I ask you to forgive me. And you see, the good news is that Heavenly Father that wants to run down on that track and and help you to the finish line is a Heavenly Father that paid an incredible price. And so will you also say, I accept what you've done for me. And now I ask you to be the Lord of my life to help me to learn what it means to run to win. For the rest of us that are here today, this is a a powerful challenge that that we don't just want to be a church that talks about starting lines in the next chapter and running hard. We want to be a church that's full of individuals that passionately run to win. Lord, we know the stakes are high and the rewards are eternal, and we know that this life can sometimes be so distracting. There are so many times when we get our eyes off of that prize, and so today we pray, Lord, that you will burn eternity into our eyeballs, that we will run to win. So as we finish this day, as we leave the doors of this great place that we can call home, we know we're heading into a day and a week that lies ahead where we need to stay committed and disciplined and dedicated to running to win. And so, Lord, will you help us to have the proper motivation in that, knowing that we live our life today so that one day when we stand before you in your presence in eternity, that we can hear you say to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, will you help us to be that kind of church? Will you help us to be individuals that live that way, that make this church great? Lord, help us to impact and change this world that is around us by living with that kind of focus and that kind of passion and dedication. And we'll trust you, Lord, that when the race gets tough and when we feel like quitting when we've fallen down, that we will be able to really truly sense and know the presence of our Heavenly Father that's there to put a shoulder around us, to make the running a little bit easier, to help us back to our feet, so that with that kind of help, we will be able to say, we've done our best, and we'll hear you say, well done. Father, thank you for this challenge from Coach Paul. 
Help us to remember it this week. It's in your name that we pray together. Amen.